Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. And joining me today is Adam Kesselman, and he's the Senior Vice President of Corporate Development with a group called Health Union. And uh, first of all, welcome, Adam. Thank you for joining me. Well, Michael, thank you for having me. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to uh, hear you speak a few weeks ago at uh, Digital Marketing Conference in Healthcare Summit in Philadelphia, and I was really intrigued by not only your organization, but what you do and what it really means for people to be have, able to have a format to have dialogues about chronic conditions that they suffer from or even those that they love. So well, let's just start with this. Can you tell us a little bit about what Health Union is and why does this exist? That's a great question. So Health Union is a company that was started about eight years ago with a very simple idea. And that is, is that patients who are suffering from chronic diseases need a place to go to, or may be interested in a place to go to, to have conversations with other patients who may be suffering or who are suffering from those same chronic diseases. And this also applies to caregivers for certain chronic diseases as well. And the insight was very, very simple, is that you know patients are going to their doctors to see uh, their physicians and their healthcare practitioners around their, their disease, their chronic disease. But sometimes that only happens a couple of times a year. And in between that time, they're interested in learning more, learning how their uh, chronic disease is changing and their body is changing and how they're reacting to uh, this disease differently and want to be engaged in a dialogue with other people potentially around what's happening and asking more questions and getting more answers. You know, I think it's so important. And um, I work with a number of physicians and I have for, gosh, the bulk of my career. So they all know if they're listening that I love them dearly. But I think and I know that they would acknowledge this as well, that often, even when you go to see your doctor, for whatever reason, I don't think people are always fully honest with what they are facing, and especially if they have a chronic condition. And some of the ones that you guys focus on specifically where, you know, I, I just think that maybe some people hold things back. Do you find that to be the case? Well, I think that's an interesting perspective. Um, I think if we look at healthcare in the United States, that doctor-to-patient interaction is one that is sometimes anxiety-ridden for patients. Number two, they have a lot of questions, and many of them are well-prepared, some of them less prepared. And number three, you know, doctors also have a script of things that they need to go through for insurance and liability purposes to make sure they get through all the questions that they need to ask. Absolutely. And somewhat tends to be, it can be programmatic, so to speak, 
where they're following kind of a list of questions that they have to do, especially with the advent of uh, electronic medical records. So they're going through screens and screens of information that they need to complete. And sometimes that natural discussion may not always allow itself. And sometimes patients, to your point, are hesitant on talking about everything that's on their mind. Right. And I think it's frustrating, especially um, I have a friend of mine who suffers from migraines and I was talking to her about this. We were, as I was prepping for this interview, and she said, you know, she goes, I finally feel like I'm at the point in my life where now I am honest with my doctor and I can tell him anything and everything because I finally realized that I had to if I was going to get um, help. And she said, I don't really know why I never did fully, but I don't know if I wasn't, didn't feel like I would be believed or, you know, maybe it was going to be downplayed. Oh, it's just bad headaches. And she said, you know, finally one day I'm like, look, you're not leaving this room until I tell you every single thing that I suffer from that's related to these migraines because I need help. And it was a breakthrough for her, but I mean, she, she suffered without you know, really being that openly and honest with uh, open and honest with her physician until her mid thirties. So that's interesting that you share that. I too am a migraine sufferer. Uh, I was diagnosed about five years ago, but I think what's changed, as it relates to your example, is something that's a change in the whole healthcare system for everybody. If you think back twenty years ago, the way healthcare was digested, quote unquote, is that patients would go see doctors and doctors would be controlling, for the most part, that discussion. Because doctors were the experts and really were the providers of all healthcare and relevant healthcare information that was available based upon their medical background and based upon their understanding of disease. Mm -hmm. But now, fast forward 20 years later, and patients and caregivers and parents are now actively involved in managing their own healthcare because of the internet and because of the amount of digital and written information that's available, we are all of us much more involved in healthcare because we have access to information. And because quite frankly, in the current healthcare system in the United States, we are becoming much more responsible and the responsibility is being pushed to us and for good reason mm -hmm. to be more actively involved in our healthcare management as opposed to be standing by and being told what to do and being uh, provided with all the information that's available. But things have changed drastically in this country, and I think that's part of uh, what's happening in the doctor's offices, and that's a good thing. Absolutely. I was thinking as you were talking about, you know, <laughs> asking the Google for everything. I mean, you know, we're even past the, the point where, you know, people even first say, you know, go to WebMD. Now they're, you know, Googling everything, Googling every symptom. But you're right, looking for information before to feel like you also have some control over your whatever you're facing, whatever your health condition is. And I think that is empowering for people. I think it's very empowering. I think it's a very good thing. I, at the end of the day, I think we all believe as individuals that we want to lead and live healthy lives. And to do so, we have to become very well educated in what that's about and what are the things, the inputs that will help to do so and achieve that goal. And more importantly, as we are dealing with chronic health issues, what are the things that we can be or should be doing to help better ourselves and not just rely on doctors um, as the only means of managing our chronic disease? 
Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about these communities, because you've built a number of online communities that people who, not only individuals, but like you said, their caregivers are the ones who love them can go to for resources. So can you talk about where the evolution of that came from? And what does that look like today for somebody who's, for instance, a chronic migraine sufferer or uh, suffering from uh, COPD? Because I know you have quite a number of these, but how does this really work? So it is also very simple. And that is the real key to our model. We are very different from WebMD or any of the other big branded communities that are out there in that Health Union is not about the Health Union brand. Health Union is about the individual chronic diseases. So for example, our URLs, uh, they are migraine.com, copd.net, rheumatoidarthritis.net, as an example. And we have close to 20 communities, all focused on chronic disease where you will go if you go to migraine.com as an example, and you are able to find significant amount of information around your disease, the basics, conversations that patients are having, information about insurance, information about new treatments, information about dealing with uh, employers and dealing with family members, all the things that are commonly important as you think about how you manage your disease. It's not just about what medicines we're taking and what we should expect from those medicines, but the whole ecosystem of managing your chronic disease. Mm -hmm. And that's the way we build it. And we build upon that simple notion. And that's what really differentiates ourselves. And more importantly, that's what provides patients and caregivers with a place that they can go to on a regular basis to learn about and keep track of and understand their chronic disease patient journey and the things they can be doing to help them live better lives. Well, and I think that's the key is, you know, this ability to live a better life. I was looking at the rheumatoidarthritis.net page and reading an article that was just posted yesterday uh, by Carla, I can't pronounce her last name, but it says acceptance may mean saying no. And it's such a telling, really powerful article about a choice she had to make in her life because of her disease state, but not just then saying, okay, then because I can't do this one thing, I'm going to give up everything. You know, she's talking about different choices to be able to still accommodate a chronic disease in her life and how she's managing it. So, you know, those types of articles and those first person perspectives, I imagine are also very comforting to all the people within that community to say, look, I'm not alone. And here's somebody else with a face and a, and a, and a, and a personality who is dealing with the same things that I am dealing with. How does that you know, tend to make people feel as a whole? Yeah, that's just it. I mean, you, you went right to the idea that you're not alone. And what we're doing is we're creating a place where people are getting, quote unquote, a virtual hug. It's a place where people can feel like uh, they validated what they're suffering from. They're able to read and gain perspectives from other, as an example, rheumatoid arthritis sufferers. And if they choose to and not required, they can share their own experience or put out a question that they have or share a perspective around something related to rheumatoid arthritis or their chronic disease where it validates and makes them feel like they're part of a community and more importantly, where they're getting an active response. You know, it's not much different from everything that we do in life. You know, when we come home from work at the end of the day and we speak to our partner about our day, we want to have a place where we have a conversation. Uh, we don't want to come home and not be able to communicate. Or if we go to the office, 
um, and we're talking about a topic, you're communicating with people. Or if you, you know, stop at a local retail shop and you like a, a, a piece, of, piece of clothing or a pair of shoes, you have a discussion about it to understand people's perspectives on it. Is it, is it good? Is it durable? All those things. And we're just creating that for healthcare. And we're creating that for chronic diseases so people have a place that they can go to. And this is important for healthcare specifically because going back to my original point, if you are a rheumatoid arthritis sufferer, and let's say you go see your doctor twice a year, and you're there for an hour each time, what happens those other 363 days in the year when you want to engage in further investigation around your disease and you want to have a dialogue or you want to validate what's happening for you? There's really no natural place to do that, and that's why our patient ecosystems allow patients or caregivers to go to this place to do exactly that. I think that's so important. And it's one of the reasons, again, like I said, why I wanted to have you on, because you know, one of the things I'd like to focus on is how people talk and dialogue appropriately to find solutions. And many times, uh, whether or not we're just running off our own assumptions or we're just trying to move fast and forward, we don't always have the right dialogues. On the flip side, if you suffer from a chronic condition of any kind, there's got to be a point with so many people like this. And I know my friend shared this with me too. She's like, I don't even want to tell people because, you know, after a while they're like, oh, she's talking about her migraines again. And, and she's got the sense of almost having to live a little bit of a double life because who do you trust with these, this, these discussions? Who do you go to and surround yourself? Because if you're not at the doctor's office where you can be honest with them there and you know your family and friends don't fully understand and maybe don't want to hear about it all the time, you know, how do you surround yourself with the right people? So, you know, is that, is, is part of that what's bringing people to this table is, is that sense of community or is it also, and maybe the question or the answer is all of the above, is it also because in that dialogue, in that community, you can find maybe other solutions, other suggestions, other moral support that will help you move to the next level of your ongoing maintenance of your disease state. So Michael, that's exact, exactly it. Those two things, but I'll reiterate what they are. Yes, um, people suffers from chronic diseases want to go to a place where they can engage in a conversation or hear other conversations about things that are similar to their chronic disease. And quite frankly, to your point, um, you know, you kind of live a double life when you're suffering from a chronic disease. You live the life that appears to the outside, friends, neighbors, family members, where they know that, you know, you may have uh, this chronic disease. But quite frankly, the details around your disease and the nuances um, as a sufferer, having those conversations may not feel comfortable to somebody who doesn't know what it's like and somebody who may not be as uh, sympathetic to what you're going through because they couldn't possibly have a perspective. And these communities give that person that exact thing, a place to share with other people who are suffering from the same thing. And it's not a place where people are just complaining and nagging and all those things that sometimes happens with healthcare, but it's a place to have honest and in-depth conversations, real conversations about what they're going through to validate it with others and validation makes you feel better. And also to get a perspective on what others have been doing to help manage their chronic disease better. And I wanna be very, very uh, clear about what we're doing here and what we're not doing here. We're not creating a place where people are 
getting answers about treatments. We're not acting as doctors. We're not acting as writers of prescriptions. None of that happens, uh, and we're not recommending any treatments. There's no opportunity to do those things. But patients are sharing with other patients what they were using, what they're taking, what they're feeling that helps them to have a better outcome when they are interacting with their doctor around their disease or they have questions around their disease. And more importantly, a better day-to-day -day place where they can engage in conversation about what can they do or how can they make their life better. I think that's a very good and important clarification is you know, the, the ability to learn from others and therefore also go back and continue to educate those in the medical field. Because to the point where we started the dialogue, you know, at the beginning of this is, you know, when we operate in the world where the physician held all the information and was responsible for decisions and, and treatments only with, you know, before patients knew how to ask the right questions or what else was possible, there's also a limit to that because the physician can't learn and grow also without knowledge of a larger base. You know, if you look at a, a primary care physician who is, you know, looking at a patient as, as a whole and everything that might be a part of it, they, there's so much, how could they ever become experts in everything as, you know, even, even when you have people who specialize in one medical field, you know, there's still, there's still more to be able to be learned as long as we're all willing to have the dialogues. So do you think, do you feel the people that are part of these communities are able and feel more confident to go back and have those kind of dialogues with their physicians or their treatment groups and, and able to help make changes to their own treatment strategy based on, you know, having some more, some more data, some more talking points, just some more perspective? So Michael, yeah, I mean, certainly that's one of the things that comes out of engaging in these types of communities is that you become more educated on the types of treatments that are out there, the types of things that people are doing, types of new clinical developments that are, are coming about and being discovered and being developed. And that certainly potentially will allow them to have much more productive uh, conversations with their healthcare practitioners. That is the hope. And at the end of the day, the true hope is that people feel better about where they are in managing their chronic disease so that from a day-to-day -day perspective, they're able to find things that help them and places where they can help others potentially, and more importantly, places where they can uh, validate what they're going through and feel better about their path towards living with a chronic disease. The other thing I wanted to mention to you, which makes our communities very, very unique, is that we have full-time moderators for each disease uh, ecosystem. And these uh, uh, employees of a healthy union are responsible for ensuring that the dialogue that occurs in our community forums is a police appropriately so that we don't have anybody recommending treatments or trying to build their business or trying to uh, recommend uh, doctors and types of therapies and things of that sort, but a place where people are having just very, very good conversations about what's happening in their lives. Certainly, there is going to be discussion about treatments, and uh, our moderators are responsible for ensuring that the active voices in those communities are going to their HCPs, their healthcare practitioners, to get a recommendation on treatment and not relying on the community as a, a place for being diagnosed and being treated. So I want to be also upfront about that. But at the end of the day, um, again, play, finding a place where people are actively engaging in dialogue around their chronic disease is the most important thing.
Absolutely. And it is so important. I, you know, I guess I never thought of that until you just said it. You don't want somebody on there who's like, hey, I'm a vitamin salesman and my vitamins are going to solve all of your issues. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah. certainly if somebody's having that experience, they're welcome to share it. But we don't want to be in a place where people are actively promoting something absolutely. or using it as a place to, to commercialize something. It's a very fine line to walk through to create this kind of community and, and create it as a safe space. And I think that's that's important for what you guys are doing, but I think it's also important that we all recognize that knowledge is power. And the more that you know, or the more that you can actively dialogue and communicate, the, the more tools you have in your tool bag. Absolutely. At the end of the day, that is exactly it, uh, especially with disease. One last thing I wanted to uh, point out um, too, just thinking about, you know, I, I know a little bit about your career background as I, you know, look at your basically online, you know, resume presence. And it, it reminds me of things within mine. And, and I was thinking back long ago, I actually worked in uh, the pharma sector and I worked with products that were, um, that were related to sleep. And I, uh, so I was calling on rheumatoid uh, doctors. I was, you know, working kind of in this space, just of that as one example. And that was back in, you know, 2000, 2001. But I remember, you know, looking in, walking in waiting rooms and seeing people with such a sense of despair that were there to see their, their doctors, they were suffering from rheumatoid arthritis and almost a sense that I had with so many of them that they'd just like given up. Like I have this now, you know, I'm just going to have to live with it and I'm not going to have a quality of life. I think that was what was so striking to me is just reading some of the articles just on that one section of, of, uh, of rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis.net that you have that gives so much hope, like that sense of, yes, you may have a chronic disease, but it doesn't mean you have to stay in bed and pull the covers up. You know, there are ways to, to not feel alone and to feel like you have resources, but also other people to help give you perspective, to help you get some control in your life, even though there's parts you may not be able to control. Yeah. I mean, we want our communities to be places where people have a chance to share what they're suffering from, but more importantly, our communities need to be a place where people can find answers and people can find ways to be more positive about their disease and people can find ways to accept the unfortunate fact that they have a chronic disease, but move on in life and put it behind them as best as they can and find positive ways to live. And that's what we believe our communities do because you have like-minded people and like-minded sufferers and caregivers who quite frankly, for the most part, want to make their lives better and are looking for ways to do so. And yes, to your point about waiting rooms, certainly when somebody is seeing a, rheum a rheumatologist and they're suffering from a chronic disease, as terrible as rheum uh, rheumatoid arthritis is, they're going there to help to find a solution. Certainly it's a, a nerve-wracking, anxiety-laden type of uh, interaction, but at the end of the day, they're looking for hope. And we give people that virtual hug, that virtual hope, that uh, subsidizes to some degree what the doctors are doing when they see them uh, for their appointments. Absolutely. And that's why I think I, I like it as, you know, shocking our own potential to be the best we can, despite whatever, you know, we are carrying around on our backs with us. So I, that's, that is hopeful. And I think that it can give a lot of people a new perspective. And that, that is something that, you know, goes a long way in people's overall happiness and potential for their own success. So let me uh, end with this uh, last question that I'd love to ask people. So knowing what you know now, Adam, and, and looking back on your career, this organization, just, you know, what brought you to this point? If you could give the, uh, the 
younger, earlier version of Adam advice that would shock your potential farther and faster, what would that have been? So as you may have mentioned, but my background is about 20 plus years in pharmaceutical marketing, sales and sales management. And a lot of my time, uh, if not most of my time in the early part of my marketing career was focusing on building a brand name and building a brand image and working on messaging. And unfortunately, during uh, those days, we didn't have a chance or didn't have the resources to pull it, put against focusing on the patient and what the patient needs and what the patient wants and really having true, deep patient insights. And now that I'm working at a place at Health Union where we're building these patient communities, I think that uh, if I knew what I knew now, uh, then um, I would have spent a lot more of my time focusing on how we can deliver places where patients can learn more about their diseases and more about uh, places where they can get treatment and actively manage it. And quite frankly, the other thing, knowing what I know now, is that I would have become more of an expert in digital because when I was growing up, so to speak, in digital, my first interaction with the computer was my Apple Mac 128, which was in 1984. And uh, quite frankly, I would have uh, uh, I would have bought Apple stock back then, knowing what I know now. Uh, I would never have to work ever again. But more importantly, I would have become a digital expert. Um, and really, um, in today's world, I think we can see in all of us and everything that we do and how we interact. Um, we're on our phones, we're on our computers, we're digesting uh, information that's all uh, in the digital space. And I would have been uh, well positioned uh, if I spent more time in the digital space and learning more about it. So um, that's my learning as I look back. I agree. And it just makes me laugh because I was thinking about, as you were talking about that, about taking a um, two quick things. One, I took a programming course in college. Like, oh, who, there was no way I was ever going to figure that out. I think I had to, everybody had to take one, but I it's like until it got to the point where it wasn't uh, ones and zeros, there was no point for having me try and learn that. I like it much better today when it's all done in the background. <laughs> Absolutely. Certainly the COBOL and the uh, Pascal of, of yesteryear were mm -hmm. courses that we all fought through at the end of the day uh, in today's digital environment. Those types of things are never even talked about, but in yep. the background, it's all happening you know, with uh, the new database and, and systems that they're using. But um, you know, it's, it's, we're very fortunate. We are in a place and in a time where things are moving a uh, hundred times faster than they used to, and the availability of data is overwhelming. But with that also comes the desire and the need to make sure that the data that you're looking at or the information you're looking at is accurate Absolutely. and validated. And that's what we also do in these communities is to make sure that information is out there is reflective of um, facts and data um, that's referenceable um, and certainly um, as it relates to you know medical information is uh, is accurate in a way that the communities and the people who are in our communities are, uh, are getting information that's going to be usable for them or useful for them so that when they have that uh, healthcare practitioner interaction they're relying upon data that's going to be accurate yeah i agree without a doubt and that there's a trust factor there that that is very, very important and, uh, and that we question and dialogue appropriately. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Any last uh, words of wisdom you wanna share with my listeners? Well, not really worse than worse than, but uh, a little commercial uh, uh, 
um, proposition if anybody is suffering from a chronic disease or is taking care of somebody who's chronic, uh, who's suffering from a chronic disease, go to health union, H-E-L-T-H-Union, U-N-I-O-N.com, and you can see all our patient communities. Uh, there's uh, nearly 20 of them now. Uh, and see if there's information that may be helpful for you and, and to everybody out there uh, who is dealing with a chronic disease. Uh, good luck in your journey and um, keep actively involved in managing your disease because at the end of the day, your health is up to you and uh, you'll be much better for it uh, from a day-to-day -day perspective by managing it uh, with the help of your healthcare practitioner. And to know that they're not alone, that there's a community out there. That and to know that you're not alone because there are literally thousands, if not millions of sufferers who suffer from the same chronic diseases as you and they want to share and they want to help. Absolutely. Thank you again, Adam. I, it was a pleasure having you today. I look forward to hearing more. Great. Thank you so much. And everybody have a great day. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.